0: condemnation and conviction um, this this could really be a series and maybe I'll do one someday but I know it's been a while since I've actually preached a message on this and it doesn't really matter if you've been saved for a short amount of time or for a long time this is something every believer deals with and 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 I want to give us some Bible principles of how to understand um, the difference how many have would be honest and say you've felt, Conv- con- convicted before and condemned, and don't know the difference sometimes, right? And so we're going to clarify that. We're going to start in John three sixteen, and that's obviously a very well known verse. But that's not where it stops. A lot of people stop start at John three sixteen and don't continue to the next verse. So we know what three sixteen says: for God so loved the world, let's do this without even looking at it, that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Every believer should know that verse. And if you don't, learn it. Amen. Uh, that's the, I, I, I was talking about that one day, that if I had to choose a verse in the whole Bible, just one, that would be my verse. Because that would get me to heaven. Amen. And uh, it, that's, that's a powerful verse. But the next verse goes on to say something as or more powerful in 17, and it says why Jesus came. It says God did not send his son into the world to what? To condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. That's kind of a different mentality than what a lot of people think about God. Everybody looks at God like this person who's up there and just wants to hurt everybody, destroy everybody, uh, beat everybody up, kill everybody, uh, punish people. And that's not what the Bible says. God did not send Jesus to condemn the world. He sent Jesus to save the world. And so that shows me that everybody can be saved. And he didn't say say some people. He said he sent it to save the world, that through him the world. How many know the world means everybody? It's inclusive. Now watch the next two verses. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now watch this. This is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And everyone practicing evil Hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Father, I pray for the next few minutes tonight on this Sunday night that as a family and a fellowship of believers tonight, Lord, we can dig into your word a little bit and and learn, Father, the difference between what condemnation and conviction is. We pray that you would guide my words and you'd anoint them and I would speak what you want me to speak and that everybody would hear what they need to hear. And we would walk out of here different tonight. And devil, you're defeated. Yes. And all your spirits of condemnation are defeated with you. And we don't accept or believe or receive your words, but we accept and believe and receive the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and everything he says about us. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What does Romans 8 says? Therefore, if there is now anyone in Christ, there is, he's a new creation, and there is now no what? condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus okay there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus so right off the bat just with a few verses I've read you should already begin to understand right now what is condemnation and what is conviction so as a believer going back to John 3:16 he says or 18 he who believes in him is not condemned And so we have to understand that if I believe in Jesus Christ, He is my Lord and my Savior, then every time I feel condemned, it's not God. We'll just get it right and simple right off the bat. It's not God. When it is God, it will always be this word, conviction. And I'm going to give you some examples tonight of that. But I want you to go to um, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I don't, I, like I said, I don't believe I'll get into this, get through this whole thing tonight. Maybe we'll do it again next Sunday night because we already have something for uh, Wednesday night. And if you weren't here this morning, I mentioned I'm going to begin to talk about sanctification. Thank you, Chris, for that. Sometimes um, Chris doesn't know what I'm going to preach, and so he has to help me find something. I appreciate that. And sometimes I don't know what I'm going to preach. I'm a, sometimes I'm between two or three messages. So walked by him and said, I don't know what I'm preaching yet. So thank God he gives me the message by the time I have to start. And so we're talking tonight about conviction and condemnation. And I want you to understand. Oh, I was gonna mention Wednesday night, I'm gonna start on sanctification. And that'll really bless you. It'll really help you understand another really key part to our faith. But in in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, give me an amen if you're there. Uh, don't lose, don't lose where I'm going in these first few verses because they're important. They they kind of tend to seem to have a different direction, but this is important. It says, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. That's another word for pastor. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Now, all those verses were written for where I want to go right here. Six, not a novice. Not a novice. Meaning, not a beginner. Lest being puffed up with pride, watch this, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So here's an interesting thought. When when I allow pride to come into my life, and pride begins to dominate my thoughts and my actions, I am closer to the devil than I am to God. That's a place we don't want to be. We understand the Bible says that, that, that God resists the pride proud. And, 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 and comes to the humble. Why am I talking about humility with condemnation? Because the, the spirit that Satan has and had that caused him to fall as the great angel in heaven was pride. And so whenever um, you begin to feel a lot of times condemnation from the enemy... It is usually because some kind of pride is working. I'm not saying pride is evident or, or take has taken place, but pride is fighting you. And pride is wanting to get in. And pride is always wanting to get in. And, and humility is a huge thing. And so he says, don't be puffed up with pride, lest you fall into the same condemnation as the devil. What did the devil do? He stood in heaven as God's greatest angel, as the most beautiful angel, and said, this is not enough, I want more. And he, be, he became puffed up, and, and, and we know he led a rebellion, and a third of the angels followed him, and, and, and the rest is history. But it's important that we understand this. This is a groundwork for understanding condemnation and conviction. Uh, James chapter 5, just write it down for time, uh, because it says, uh, brethren, verse 12 Don't swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. And so when we begin to think about um, the warning that God is giving us, we can get to a place tonight of, of, of comfort in the conviction of the Holy Spirit if we don't allow pride to work on us and cause us to fall into what Paul is warning that can be a pit we can fall into. A dangerous pit of condemnation. There are some believers who live in condemnation. They cannot let go of the past. They cannot forgive themselves. They cannot move forward. And notice I didn't say anything of those things with Jesus. That's their thoughts. They cannot forgive themselves. They cannot believe they're forgiven. They cannot believe that they're born again. They cannot believe because they allow... The enemy to continue to lie to them over and over and over again. Listen to what condemnation is in the dictionary. The judicial act of declaring somebody guilty. Then being sentenced to punishment. So if we allow condemnation to to run our lives, what we're doing is we're saying with our mouths, we believe Jesus died for us and we're born again, but we're saying with our hearts, that we don't truly believe it. Can you catch that? It's important to understand that. We, we have to believe that if I am forgiven and I uh, have accepted Christ and I believe in what Jesus did for me, I have to believe that I am saved and I am forgiven. And I am in right standing with God. And I'm in a good place with God. And God's place for me is good. Here's the thing that condemnation does. Condemnation gives you no solution and no hope. Okay, whenever you begin to feel uh, hopeless in a situation, God's not in it. Think about that. I'm trying to get you to think about some things to recognize. Is this God or is this the Holy Spirit? Sorry, is this Satan or is this the Holy Spirit? I apologize. I I want you to be able to recognize that. And if you're feeling hopeless and you're feeling like there's no way out and there's no answer and there's no solution, you can be sure it's not God. Because God always has a solution. God always has hope. God always has a way out. Think about suicide. How many people uh, take their lives because of condemnation? And, they're, and, they're, and they found a place. When someone takes their life, they have gotten to a place of absolute hopelessness. You think that's God? No. That's the farthest thing from God. God says, I've got a way out. But the devil has cornered them to a place so strong of condemnation that they believe the lie of the devil that there's no hope, that there's no solution, and that there's no way out. Here's another verse. Proverbs eighteen twelve says, Before destruction... The heart of a man is haughty or prideful, and before honor is humility. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the the humble in spirit. Let me let me give you some understanding of why Satan works so hard on condemning us. Because he's condemned. He's already condemned. He he he's the only one with his fallen angels see humans until their last breath have an opportunity to turn to Jesus After they have their last breath there's no more opportunity there's no second chance there, there's no purgatory there's no place you go in limbo and wait there there's no second reincarnation but until the day you breathe your last breath you have hope and you can turn to Jesus but Satan does not have that hope Satan is forever condemned, and so he is condemnation. He's not a spirit of condemnation. He is condemnation. And so whenever you are allowing, and this isn't a condemnation. How many times in the last month have you heard me say, this is not a condemnation message, this is a conviction message? Well, now you're going to understand what I mean. Because when you're hearing a message that's condemnation, or you walk out of a place feeling condemned, that's not God. God's not in that. God's not in a place of condemnation with us. He's in a place of drawing us closer to him. So Satan is condemned, and listen, so is the general population of this world without God. So are you and I without God. I talked about that this morning. We are lepers without God. Lepers with no hope of of being healed and no hope of being cleansed, and the population is there, but the antidote is there, amen? We have the antidote tonight for for that leprosy, and it's the blood of Jesus. And so without the blood of Jesus and without believing in Jesus Christ, the population generally is condemned. Now listen to this, you know this, uh, this verse, I'm going to read it, John 1, 1-5, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him nothing that was made was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. This is important, was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. We still have a world today that is living in darkness. And the light is right there to be turned on. But they don't want to accept it. Okay? But what, what have we done? We have accepted it. We are not the world anymore. How is it that we are in this place as believers and we have accepted Jesus and we're still allowing the devil to think, to make us think we're in the darkness? How is it that we're still allowing the devil to make us think that we're not worthy? How is it that we're still listening to the lie of the devil to believe that we're not good enough? How, how is it that we're listening to those words? Because erroneously we listen more to the voice of the enemy than we do to the voice of God. That's that's the danger. One of the ways that you destroy the works of the enemy is by reading his word. When you're in the word, that word is destroying the darkness that is trying to encompass your life again. Satan is not going to quit. Let me just give you that heads up. He's, he's never going to get to a place where he's going to say, well, I'm just going to give up on that person. They're just too strong. You might get to a place where you might feel like he's not attacking you anymore because you are strong in the Lord and you can be strong in the Lord, but he's not going to give up on you. He's going to fight until the day he dies, till the day you die. He wants you to be a trophy for him. He's not going to give up. He wants you to fall back into darkness. And what he does to do that, and I've seen it happen to so many people, is they believe in the spirit of condemnation. And they allow the devil to lie to them over and over again. Why are we believing what Satan says instead of what God's word says? So here's the problem. Our trouble sometimes is our own thoughts about Jesus. This is where I'm going to begin to show you what I had to learn. When we think about Jesus, and as I mentioned this morning, and we look at ourselves as lepers, and we realize how lost we are, and how messed up we are, and how far we are from being able to be good enough to be in God's presence, that mental block causes us to begin to believe the other voices around us. Okay? Did you really repent of that? Are you really sorry? Did Jesus really forgive you? Are you really going to go to heaven when you die? All these thoughts that come in that are not of God. And so we know that Jesus came and died and rose from the dead. And we have to have a healthy spirit of understanding that we're not worthy. But not an unhealthy spirit of understanding we're not worthy. Understanding that I'm not good enough and never will be. But I depend on the blood of Jesus. I depend on what He did on the cross. Here's what conviction is. I'll, because why I said that about the cross is when you put your faith in Jesus. Now uh, that's why it says now there is no condemnation. Why? Why now? Because now that I have Jesus, I'm not under the condemnation of this world anymore. But before I accepted Christ in my heart, I was. What did it say there? Those who believe are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already. And so the world walks basically handcuffed and shackled in condemnation, destined for hell, destined for separation without God the entire lives until Jesus comes in, unlocks the keys, breaks the chains, gives them a new life, and now I'm walking in freedom. And what the devil wants to do is lock you back up again devil wants you to to be that prisoner who goes back to jail gets free and goes back to jail again gets free and goes back to drugs again gets free and goes back to alcohol again gets free and goes back to those relationships again although it says he who is in christ now is a new creation all the old things are passed away and all things have become new so why am i still believing that i am condemned if jesus says i'm free And he says in John, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So what happens is when I accept Christ and when I become a new believer and when I become light and I become a son of God, now, now, instead of condemnation being in my life, now conviction steps in through the Holy Spirit because the cross brings conviction. Write that down. The cross equals conviction. The cross brings a thought and a spirit in our life that says, I I don't want, change your vocabulary, not I can't, I don't want to be the person I used to be. So, so a lot of people think, well, now I can't drink, and now I can't smoke, and now I can't do drugs, and now I can't go to the club, and now I can't, and I can't, and I can't, and I can't. And those that are doing the can'ts haven't got it. God wants us to get to a place where we don't want do the things of this world. We don't want to do the things that we used to do that had us condemned and had us locked up and had us prisoners of our own souls. He wants us to say, I don't want that life anymore. I want to be free and free indeed. So conviction comes along with the cross. Listen, it's the act of proving or finding or determining the guilt of an offense, says the state, of being found guilty. So conviction is not saying that you're not having done something wrong. That's that's the thing. We, 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 don't, we, don't, we have to understand when the Holy Spirit convicts us, He's not saying, oh, that's okay what you did. He's saying you have done something you're guilty of, but I want you to seek forgiveness. Condemnation will say, hey, you made that mistake and you've messed up. And God can't forgive you and won't forgive you and shouldn't forgive you. And Jesus says, yes, you've made a mistake. He, he's, Jesus doesn't play with our sins or, or hey, you know, give us a rub on the back when we're doing something wrong. If he's really in our lives, he comes in. But he says, I forgave that. Don't do it again. Go and sin no more, as he said. He said, neither do I condemn you to that lady, that, the adulterous woman. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so is that spirit that says, hey, you you were caught in the act of adultery. Did did Jesus ever say to her, you're not guilty? No. He didn't say, you're not guilty. He said, I don't condemn you. He said, where are your accusers? And they left. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He said, go and sin no more, meaning she was in sin. So he didn't beat around the bush of what she was doing. And so we know that the the conviction, watch this, conviction causes us to understand that my answer tonight is the blood of Jesus. Is the blood of Jesus. Even tonight, just in prayer, tonight, just before the service, after 25 years of being saved, my prayer is still, Jesus, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Thank you for your blood. I thank you for the cross. I thank you that you shed your blood on that cross and it's because of the cross and it's because of what you did on the cross that I am saved and I am delivered and I am set free. It's the cross. It's the blood. The cross is the answer. Amen. Conviction will always push you to the cross. But listen, conviction will push you to the cross. Condemnation will draw you away from it. Can you see the difference? It's two opposite directions. Jesus is always going through conviction to be luring you towards him. Condemnation through Satan is always going to be pulling you away from him. Jesus is always, watch this, Jesus is always through conviction of sin going to be saying, come back into the light. I am light. You are light. Stay in the light. And condemnation is going to try to pull you back into darkness. Back into hopelessness. Back into that place where you feel like there's no answer. Listen to this. Jesus will will track us down. How many remember, maybe before you got saved and gave your life to the Lord, the unrest that was in your spirit? Maybe it was moments before, days before, weeks before. But if you can think back, there was an unrest in your spirit because God through his Holy Spirit, through Jesus, was, was after you. What does the Bible say? He came to seek and save that which was lost. Seek means he was pursuing you. He was after you. But he wasn't after you condemning you, that you're going to hell and you're a horrible person. He was after you convicting you that you can have a future and a hope and a peace and a better life. And things can change. Amen. There's a, there's a big difference. God wants us to know that he, that is not our destiny. It's true. Jesus did not make hell for us nobody's going to go to hell because Jesus sent them there. They're going to go to hell because they rejected heaven. They're going to go because they rejected Jesus. He did not make it for us. He said in John 3, how many know you've got to believe every word the Bible says? So if you believe John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, you also have to believe 17 that says God did not send his son into the world to condemn it but through him the world would be saved. That's his plan. That's his plan. Amen. Write this down. What is conviction? Here's the simplest answer. It's God through his love calling us. God through his love calling us. That's what conviction is. It's, it's, it's really simple to make it elementary. Conviction is this, come, come to me. And condemnation is, go away. Jesus is luring us in. Satan is trying to push us away. Satan knows that if we are away from Jesus, we are lost. How many have ever read John 15? Jesus says, he who abides in me, I will abide in him. And so we have to stay close to Jesus. We have to stay close to the cross. And if we're close to Jesus and close to the cross, there's forgiveness for all of our sins. But Jesus, sorry, Satan wants to pull us away from that cross. He wants us to get to a place where we're not close to God and we can't hear his voice. He wants us to be out in darkness. He wants us to go back to the way we used to be. Back to the way we used to think. Just think tonight. Here's a good statement. I'm not where I know, I know I need to be, but I'm definitely not where I was. How many would agree with that tonight? You're not where you want to be. You're not where even God wants you to be, and we never will be totally there until we get to heaven. But I guarantee you, you're not the person you used to be either. You're a, lot, you're a lot closer to the cross and to Jesus than you are to that old person that you used to be because Jesus has changed you and set you free and given you a new hope and a new life and a new direction and you need to start walking in that direction instead of believing what the devil says. God's Spirit has moved on us. Yes, we've been found guilty. That's what causes us to accept Christ, understanding that I am a sinner, that the wages of my sin are death, Isn't that awesome how that verse says the wages of my sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life? So yes, my sin separates me, but thank God, God gave His Son so that I could be forgiven. Here's here's an example of this in Acts chapter 2 verse 37. I'll just read it again for time. You can go if you want, but just listen. This is when Peter's preaching his first sermon. And there's thousands of people there listening to him. And the Holy Spirit begins to convict. Jesus is no longer on the earth. So now, as we read this verse, we're really close. Even though we're 2,000 years separated, we're really close to that time because the same thing is happening. Jesus has already gone to the Father, Jesus is already at the right hand interceding. Jesus is no longer on the earth. Doesn't matter if it was 50 years or 2,000, it's the same situation. He is preaching, and now the conviction of the Holy Spirit is working. The same, isn't it neat to think tonight in 2017, almost December, that the same Holy Spirit that convicted them in the book of Acts is the same Holy Spirit that's convicting us right now of our sins. The same one. No difference. And he says in Acts 2.37, as he's preaching, when they heard this, here's what conviction does. They were pricked in their heart. They were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles and men and brethren, What shall we do? See, when you begin to be convicted by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to prick your heart and tell you, Hey, that you're in a state I don't want you in. You're in a place I don't want you to be. You're doing something you don't need to do. You're seeing something you don't need to see. You're saying something you don't need to say. You're going someplace you don't need to go. And in that place, God is saying, I want, I want to move you from the position you're in because the position you're in is causing you to not be in the relationship that I want to be with you right now. So let's work this out. I'm going to convict you and cause you to prick, be pricked in your heart and realize, okay, this is not, not a condemnation thing, not a I'm going to hell thing, but this is something that's not ca- allowing me to be as close to God as God wants me to be. Not allowing me to be in the fellowship with God as God wants me to be. So listen to this. Watch this. This is important. So as he as he convicts us and touches our heart, what do we have to do? We have to respond. We have to say, okay, Holy Spirit, you're convicting me, you're dealing with me, that, that you're showing me this, I need to change this or do, go a different direction. And if we reject that calling, that loving conviction, we condemn ourselves. We, d- d- the devil's not even involved there. Because the devil's not involved in the conviction. It's God. And God is looking for us to respond. Just like Satan's looking for us to respond to condemnation. But when we, don't, when we don't respond to con- conviction, Satan's not there. That's us condemning ourselves. And that's why God is justified in judging this world, because he's a just God. How many know tonight, I want to say this again, God is on our side. You must learn tonight and understand and believe, as I have learned over the years, being, being around a lot of legalism, being around a lot of preaching where it, there was no grace at all. It, was, it, it wasn't works, but it was just it, there was never any room for anybody to understand that God loves us and God is not waiting for me to mess up so I can, he can spank me. He's not looking for me to trip up so he can make make me miss heaven. He's not waiting to blow the trumpet to come back for the church to make sure the least amount of believers are ready. That's not God's heart. God's heart is that everyone would go to heaven. God's heart is that none would perish. And so what does he do? What, 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 What can we do at this moment? This is kind of where the rubber meets the road here. When conviction is coming, what can I do? One of the options I can do is I can run. Which is what the devil wants us to do. The devil wants us to run from conviction to condemnation. And usually the condemning is us. Again, it's ourselves. Not believing God's word. So they said, what should we do? And in 38 and 39 of Acts 2, Peter says, repent. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so we become born again. This first church gets saved and they're born again. Now what? There's a book we pass out that says, now what? Now that I'm saved, Now what? How many of you remember when you got saved, maybe you're, you're newly saved, and you're you like, what do I do now? How, how do I, how, what's my next step? And, and now you have to begin to be led by the Holy Spirit. And you've got to understand this tonight, that the Holy Spirit's going to deal with me different than he deals with you. And he's going to deal different with you than he does to the person next to you. Because we don't all have the same problems. We don't all have the same falls. We don't all have the same things that cause us to fall. Jesus works with us individually. And we have to listen to what God says for us. And so the Holy Spirit begins to lead us and we feel his loving conviction. Here's a verse 12, Hebrews 12, verse 6 and 7. Who the Lord loves, he chastises and scourges every son who receives him. If you endure the chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he who doesn't chastise his father? Whose son is he of whom the father does not chastise? Right? So just like children, God is going to correct us when we're wrong. We shouldn't get mad at him and angry at him when he corrects us. We should understand that he's correcting us because father knows best. God knows best what we need. I want you to write just a few things down uh, right now to think about just to give you an example. Conviction, this is just, just clear teaching here. Conviction is from God. Condemnation is from Satan. Okay. Conviction is from God. Condemnation is from Satan. Conviction leads you to life. Condemnation leads you to despair. Conviction ends in joy. Conviction ends in joy. Condemnation ends in sorrow. If you are constantly sad, constantly depressed, constantly down, do you think you're walking in condemnation or conviction? Condemnation. These are things where you need to, need to recognize these and say, man, I need a change here. I'm allowing this spirit of condemnation to govern my life. Conviction, listen, this is, the, this is one of the best ones. Conviction makes me want to change. Conviction makes me want to change. How many know that's healthy? Condemnation makes me believe I can't change. I can't change. There's the hopelessness. A couple more. Conviction leads me to a new identity in Christ. How many have recognized that you have a new identity tonight? That you're not the person you used to be. You are a new creation. Condemnation will lead you to an identity that's connected to sin. So if someone says, oh, they're an alcoholic they're an adulterer, they're a fornicator, they're a thief, they're a liar, and they put those names on you, that's not God. That's condemnation. Because if I believe God's word and someone's calling me an adulterer or a fornicator or a liar, and I'm in Christ, I'm believing more what they say than what God says and God's word says. If I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation and all the old things have been passed away and all, the old, new, all things have become new. So who am I listening to? Conviction brings, this is this is good, a specific awareness of sin. When God is convicting you about something, He's going to be real precise about it. It's going to be real clear. When it's condemnation, it's going to be real general. And you're not going to know what the answer is. And you're going to wonder. Two more. Condemnation, sorry, conviction causes you to look to Jesus. As the Bible says, the author and the finisher of my faith, condemnation makes me look to myself. That's why I say all the time I can do bad all by myself. I don't need help. You don't need help. We can do bad by ourselves. Last one conviction is a blessing condemnation is a burden maybe you've been walking around in condemnation and it's a burden you don't have any joy you don't have any peace why? because you're walking around believing again believing the word of the enemy instead of the word of God I want to close tonight with this this story about Peter Peter when we are being convicted of something, there's a true remorse that comes with it. You know, Peter failed by denying Jesus three times in Matthew. It's in the Gospels. This is particularly in Matthew 26. And and he does exactly what Jesus said what he was going to do. And I always like to go back to this. How many know that when you fall and make a mistake, God is always giving you a warning before you fall? Earlier down the road, he has said, hey, if you don't change direction, you're going to fall. So some people say, well, Peter, God knew Peter was uh, going to mess up and he made Peter mess up and all kinds of different things. But how do we remember when Jesus said to Peter, Simon Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I am praying for you so maybe if Peter at that moment would have listened to the conviction of the Holy Spirit he wouldn't have had to fall into the condemnation of denying Jesus how many see that? God will give you a warning God will tell you hey if you do this this is gonna happen if you keep doing this this is gonna happen if you don't change direction Look, that's where, that, that down the road, there, there's where you're headed. And he'll, 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 he'll convict you and, and deal with you. But at the same time, he can't make you do anything. That's where our free will comes in. But I want you to understand tonight. I want you to leave with this thought tonight more than anything. Once Peter made that mistake and said, I don't know the man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed. And the Bible says in verse 75, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus what did Peter do? he made it right he remembered the word of Jesus not Satan Satan was in his ear too Satan was telling him you've just denied Jesus you're lost, you're dead Jesus ain't going to want to have anything to do with you you might as well go do what Judas is going to do how many understand that Judas went and did what he did, and Peter could have done the same thing, but he said, "I remember the word of Jesus," and so that conviction drew him to a place that he said, "I'm going to go back to the cross." Amen. And he said, "He said, before the rooster closure, you'll deny me three times." And then here's what Peter did: he went out and wept bitterly. What does that mean? means he was sorry that's the key to repentance is that you're sorry for it that you're truly now I want to end with this, this is important if you're not sorry for it, then you're not going to get over it but if you're sorry for it and you have seriously repented and you mean that you're sorry, then you need to let it go you need to let it go you need to stop remembering it because Jesus has. Don't pick it up again. Amen? So God lovingly convicts us and Satan condemns us. I'm going to do some more of this next Sunday night, but I hope this helped you tonight. I hope it's just a thought that will just remind you consistently if I'm being feeling condemnation, it is not God because I'm in Christ. I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. It is not the is not the Lord, it is the devil. But conviction draws me to the cross. Conviction gives me hope. Conviction pulls me into the light. Conviction, I love one of the, I love the verse that says, His kindness leads me to repentance. Amen. Amen. Let's stand tonight on this Sunday night and just bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to sing that same song. I want to sing how great is our God again. Sorry if you had something else planned. I just just felt that when we were singing. What an awesome song, amen? How great is our God. But as you're standing, just bow your heads and close your eyes. All over this place tonight, how many would say, Pastor, I'm not saved? If you don't accept, see, it's it's not that God makes you believe. He gives us a choice. Nobody in hell tonight is there because God sent them there. They sent themselves. They chose to reject the antidote of sin, which is Jesus. Because God's word says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So tonight as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed and not looking around, I want to give you the opportunity to make sure that you don't walk out of this place condemned. That you can walk out of this place forgiven. You can walk out of this place saved. You can walk out of this place healed. You can walk out of this place, more important than anything, forgiven. That's awesome. Forgiven. How many would say, would you pray for me tonight? I'm, I'm not saved. I need to accept what Jesus did for me tonight. Just put your hand up all over this place. Pray for me tonight. I'm not saved. I'm not trying to get you to become a member of our church. I'm trying to get you to give your life to Jesus and make sure that your name's in the book of life tonight. Amen. He sees your heart tonight. He knows you. I don't know you, but I do know that He has a plan and a purpose for you. Maybe you need to come back to Jesus. Maybe the, the Holy Spirit's been drawing you and saying, Hey, that life you're living, those things you're doing, that's not my plan for you. Repent of that. Turn from that. Come home. Come back to my my loving grace. Come back to my plan for your life. If that's you, just say, would you pray for me tonight? All over this place. I want us to say a prayer tonight together as a body of salvation so that this can be prayed online. Just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, we come before you tonight knowing that we are sinners lost without you. The wages of our sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life and you love this world so much that you gave your son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, and because of that alone, I am forgiven, and I am saved. Not by works, so that any man can boast, but I am saved by the blood of Jesus. I am saved because you became the curse on that cross for me. Forgive me tonight. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life, in the name of Jesus. And I believe tonight that as I am in Christ, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise tonight for Maybe some people online that said that prayer tonight.